We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey guys, welcome into your Saturday edition of the OBR uh, Film Breakdown. It's going to be a little bit out of the ordinary. We uh, um, you're not going to be able to get with Brad Ward this weekend. He's going out of town, so we're going to bump the mailbag to Sunday, and that gives us a chance to meet our three episodes for the week with Andrew as we stay on our schedule to get things ready for training camp, which is a little bizarre to start talking about training camp in uh, June, uh, late June, but it'll be here before we know it, and there's a lot of teams to cover and a lot of previews to cover before we get there. So we want to try to stay on schedule. So we have a couple teams today. Andrew, what's up, man? How are you? Uh, I'm good, Jake. How are you, man? <clears throat> I am uh, I'm a good. I, I mean, I could complain, but I don't think anybody cares, <laughs> right? Nobody cares. Uh, I talked yesterday about the point of, like, exhaustion uh, that you get to when you were two kids. I thought one kid was really great. You, you mean it changes everything about your life, man? Like, obviously, but you also carve out start to get the predictable pockets of time where you can carve out the things that make you happy. You get two, all those little carved out times go to a slow and dying death. And, uh, it's just been a year long of exhaustion for me. And some days it hits me harder than others. Yesterday was brutal. I, I think some people related to that tweet. So if you didn't see the tweet, I wanted to share that with you in case you can just say, you know what, man, I relate. I understand uh, out there. Cause I think there are a lot of you. I mean, I house so like single mothers, man, do this. Uh, or not even single mothers, but mothers whose you know husbands are out of the house working all day and they stay at home all day with the kids. I, I, like, I couldn't give you a bigger shout out. It's it's so hard, man. I've done some things in life, played football, did some various CrossFit things. I've done a lot of different things that wear you out physically. But uh, this is it's always going to be number one, put it that way. I, I don't even think I've done anything close to it. So that's all I got, Andrew. I don't know if you have a response to that, but um, I wanted to share it with you. Uh, yeah. I have always been on the fence about having children, uh, mostly on the no side and, and, uh, nothing you've said in the last few minutes has changed my mind. <laughs> yeah. I like, don't have, do that to people not trying to, it's super <laughs> rewarding. Love the kids. They're great. But there are just some moments where I'm like, I could like my number one, like, I'm sure you have some things you'd want to, like my number one dream right now would be to go to a hotel and just sleep, like just mm-hmm. have un 
interrupted sleep and not caring about like not caring about someone else's life for like 24 hours. Like that sounds so crazy, mm -hmm. but not having to be afraid of someone else's like situation with these yep. kids. And I yep. love them. Wouldn't trade them for the world, but it is very uh, daunting at times and it can overwhelm you. And like yeah. I said, you, you kind of are like, well, I'd love to be a stay at home mom, love to be a stay at home dad. I don't know. Don't think so. Not for me. I don't think I can do it. Some days I do it because my wife is out of the house working all day. Uh, but I get my my fair share. I'm looking for like I'm looking for the right-handed reliever to come in after like an hour yeah. and a half. You're signaling frantically to the pen right now. Yeah, the, yeah and I have yeah. no pen. The pen <clears throat> right. is empty. Yeah, you you're looking back over your shoulder and it's just a a towel over a chair. Yeah. It's yeah, it's yeah. like the end of a double header. So, <laughs> yeah. anyway, I've been uh under the weather the last few days, not feeling the best, and uh, I slept 9 hours last night, Jake. So, I just rub it in a little bit. Yeah, it's great. Just really happy for you. All around really happy for you. So, yeah. <laughs> All right. Okay. We're going to move on. New All task. Right. Andrew, Andrew wrote a good article about Miles Garrett. Talk to us about what you wrote about uh, with the big picture and Miles. And I think we've said this for the last few years, Andrew. He's so talented, yep. man. Yep. And he's so... Mm -hmm. We all love the person and, and, we, yes. and, we, and we want him to succeed. And you see, it's not just us. It's it's smart NFL analysts like, you know, Brandon Thorne, who I think does as in-depth study of O-line, yeah. D-line play as anybody. Yep. They see it. Mm -hmm. And it's just a matter of like, go ahead and tell your story and then we'll dig into some of the, the weeds here. Yeah. I mean, I think you, you really said it. Like there have been, I think the last two years, there have been articles uh, in the preseason and the run up to the season talking about, you know, this is the year that he puts it all together and this is the thing. And, you know, I just kind of was looking back at the last, it's been four seasons in a row now, Jake, where, um, you know, he has not had a season-ending injury, knock on wood, in any of those years. But in 19, obviously, he played 10 games and then <clears throat> conked uh, Mason Rudolph on the head with a, with a helmet, and that was the end of his season. Now, you know, I'm just, I want to say here publicly, uh, I have, you know, since that happened and, and, and information kind of gets around, I have no doubt in my mind that what Miles Garrett did was justified and the NFL covered up what Mason Rudolph said to him. Uh, but we don't really want to get sidetracked with that. Uh, it's just to say that that ended his 2019 season, right? <clears throat> and then mm -hmm. 2020, uh, he, he caught COVID in uh, late November, missed two games, and then talked publicly about how he really struggled to come back from that in the same season and catch his, catch his breath, literally. Uh, so that, you know, if you look at his production from pre and post COVID, it, it definitely dipped after he missed those two games. Uh, and, and then in 21, he, uh, it was, it, it, 21 is his best season as a pro so far, uh, 16 sacks. Uh, but he was on track for, uh, more than that, he had, uh, I think it was 15 sacks through 13 games. And then uh, I don't know exactly what the injury was, but did something to a groin muscle against the Raiders in the last month of the season and had one sack over the last four games. So uh, he, he could have, that was the first year of the 17 game schedule. He could have gone to probably 20, 21 sacks, uh, but he ended up at 16. Uh, and then last year, obviously we, we all know the, about, you know, the single car accident with the, with, you know, driving home from practice the one day. And, you know, if you look at his production over the course of the season, you don't see a, a, a big dip after that injury, other than he missed the, you know, he missed the Falcons game, but he came back and had a, a good game against the chargers and then a really good game against the Patriots. But, um, overall 
you know, you have to imagine it held him back, right? In terms of just having that sort of pain in your shoulder when think about what he does, you know, down to down in the NFL. And so, yeah, it's just thinking about how it's been four years in a row that there has been something that has interrupted him from having a full, you know, 16 or 17 games of production that would allow him to kind of get to, you know, he's still very much in the conversation, but he's not, there's no undisputed, right? There's no one out there saying he is, uh, you know, head and shoulders above, you know, a, a TJ Watt or a Joey Bosa or Nick Bosa. I mean, there's a lot of names, right? Mm-hmm. And I think the question really is that the the circumstances around him could not be better for him to have his career-defining season this year because of the change at defensive coordinator. You know, they'll, they'll probably play more man. Jim, uh, Jim Washburn and Jim Schwartz are, yeah, they, they get the most out of their defensive linemen, uh, you know, and then you talk about the talent around him, the depth that they have overall, he should be playing fewer snaps and, and more, a uh, higher percentage of his snaps should be run or pass down snaps, like clear passing situation where he can just focus on, on getting the sack. Uh, he should face, <clears throat> you know, maybe still the same number of double teams, but fewer triple teams, certainly, because they just don't have the you know, they, they're not going to be able to block everybody on that line. So, uh, yeah, that's, uh, in a nutshell, he is positioned to have his best season as a Brown, as a player in the NFL. And it's just, you hope that nothing else, you know, weird or injury wise or anything comes up to kind of get in the way of that. Your point about so it, it is a very weird run of these years. Now, I guess I'll redirect this question back to you for him to get the respect that he's deserved or win defensive player of the year. Does, does, does it take the Browns making the playoffs and making noise? Is yeah, he going sure. to, is he, you think so? Do you, you yeah. don't think there's a way in which they can disappoint and he simultaneously wins that award? I don't, I haven't looked at the most recent winners. I know TJ won it when they went to the playoffs a few years ago. Uh, who won it last year? I cannot remember off the top of my head. Uh, I think the Bosa, Nick Bosa did, right? I think that's right, but I, I don't know off the top of my head either. I think he did. And then, like, I think I can't remember who won it the year before, but maybe Aaron Donald, probably Aaron Donald. But, yep. yeah, I don't know, man. It's, it's, a, it's a situation where Miles will probably continue to do what he does because he's so physically gifted and has reached the peak of who he is. But it's like, I don't know if he'll ever get the respect that, that clearly is there for him right. unless he wins that award. Right. That's kind of the thing. If the next three years he continues to be by advanced metrics and film metrics of people independent of us, uh, and I, what I mean by us is you know those who have a tilt on, on looking at it from the Browns' perspective, they, the, the, pretty much everyone says that they agree for the most part. Mm-hmm. Some people that don't like miles because of things that, you know, such as the helmet and swing and all that stuff. I get it. But like, it feels like he's going to continue to have that reputation, but he won't be the, the, the hands down Aaron Donald stretch unless he wins that award. Does that, yep. does that seem like where this is all headed? Yeah, I agree with you. Yeah. 20, 2020 was Aaron Donald. 21 was Watt, and then 22 was Nick Bosa. And, you know, the other name that I didn't even mention in the list of guys at this level is Micah Parsons, who is younger than Garrett and, you know, is really coming on strong. Plus he plays for the Cowboys who play almost all of their games in a national window. So, you know, I I think the yeah, the achievements of the Browns are a, a part of it. I also think playing in Cleveland is a part of it. It's the same conversation about Nick Chubb. 
you know, if Nick, if Nick Chubb was, was playing for the Jets, you know, or the, the Chargers, there would be a totally different conversation about maybe the Chargers are a bad example, but certainly, you know, that one of the marquee NFL franchises, Nick Chubb's name would be much better known as, you know, being the best pure running back in the NFL. And I think it's the same thing with Miles Garrett. You know, they, they, the Browns play a lot of one o'clock games on CBS when they're, you know, the third or fourth best game out of the six or seven that are on the network. And so just, you know, inevitably eyeballs are going to be, you know, elsewhere. And, and to your point, Jake, there's not enough people in, in the sport today that are going back. I mean, I don't know that there ever were, there are not a lot of people that are going back and watching highlights of, you know, Brown's, Titans from week what is that week two this year week three this year where where you know he's probably going to have two and a half sacks but nobody's going to see it agreed it's he's fighting in a battle that's obviously he controls a lot of it but he doesn't control every bit of it and that's absolutely pretty unfortunate yeah because you can impact a lot of things about the game as an edge but your team has to win and the largest part of that comes from so many yeah. other positions. So that's right, tough. but I, I, I mean, I think J, uh, I think Miles Garrett at his best can put up twenty four sacks in a season. Like uh, I definitely agree. We talked about it yesterday. I had Corey Kennan on, exa- yeah, which which seemed more plausible for him to break the NFL sack record in a single season, twenty two and a half, or Nick to lead the NFL in rushing. And when you're asking that question, that tells you mm-hmm. who that guy is, right? Yep. So yep. Yeah, I it's going to be interesting to watch. Let's 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 just leave it at that because mm-hmm. his like his legacy here will will sort of be dependent upon whether he wins that award one time. Agreed. I think that that for fair Agreed. or unfair, that's sort of where it's headed. I, I think that as we just referenced, Miles is pretty clearly a case of a guy who's reached every bit of his potential. I thought one interesting question in this opener would be that like. You know, you could pick one player on this current organization to reach the maximum level of what you think their potential is. Mm-hmm. Right now, I'm not saying you're like, if this guy, you, you pick this player and he, if he's a defensive tackle, he's like, he's Aaron Donald. No, we're saying you need, you think this guy has a certain ceiling. You haven't seen him hit that ceiling yet. Yep. If you could, if you could choose that player to then peek out who we think they are at the absolute best of their ability who that player would be. Miles is one of the few. Nick is there too. Nick Nick certainly yep. has hit yeah, his guys. ceiling. Batonio probably. Um, yep, for sure. It, it's it's just and I don't even know that Deshaun's a fair answer because we've seen that. Like Deshaun has yep. Yep. hit his ceiling. He's had great seasons. Yes. So this this becomes of those guys that we're referencing um uh, away from those guys we're referencing. Sorry, like what guy do you think would have and it could be this year. You never know. Maybe they hit that potential this year. Yeah. But which one would you come to mind? Like, I would love for that player. And I think he would define a difference for them if he did do that. I, yeah, I think I'm kind of torn between two, but I think the answer is Denzel Ward. Um, You know, I, I think Denzel Ward has everything you need to be a true top three cornerback in the league um, in terms of his coverage ability, his speed, his, his short area quickness his ball skills, um, and it's really just putting it all together and putting it all together for the entirety of a season, right? Because that's, I mean, that's what so much of this comes down to. That was the entire conversation about Miles the last four years. 
you can't it can't be enough to have 12 transcendent games and then five games where you're okay or in Denzel's case like eight really good games and then four games where you're okay and then four games where you know you're missing time like it has to be it has to be 16 15 16 truly dominant games with maybe one clunker in there somewhere hidden in in, in the weeds um and i think you know just again talking about this Schwartz defense if they could have Denzel Ward be true lockdown erase you know whether he travels or if he just takes away one side of the field either way like just be the guy that shuts out uh a part of a defense uh, you know opposing offense's passing game um just think about the, what they could do then schematically with that with that defense uh with the number of rushers they have you know and then i think pretty good talent elsewhere in the secondary but i think he he has never played up to that top three, you know, truly, truly elite potential. And the other thing about that is the Browns are paying him to, to play at that level. So it would really also like from a value standpoint that they have been overpaying, you know, relative to his production, he's been a great player, but not at that level. I think Denzel is probably the most logical answer in the, in the last point that you made, about what they're paying him to do, yeah. right? Him yeah. him being able to change games, erase players is what they're paying him to do. And I think like we've I've been fairly vocal about referencing the good part. He's good. He's not great. He's not elite, but that potential has always been there, right? Yes. So that one, I think honorable mentions. And if I had to choose one, you took yours, I had to take mine. I think if you're looking at guys who you feel like their ceiling is an elite ceiling. JOK reaching that would be yep. really fun. Yes. Just you fun know, to watch down to down. hundred percent because what he does is Fred Warner esque speed. Yep. That's right. That, that, that ability to run, move, shift, change direction and get to places. And actually I think that Fred Warner is like the ultimate coverage linebacker. So maybe JOK is not that prototype, but he could be unicornish if he mm-hmm. figured it all out because he is as shifty a linebacker as I've ever seen, and he could make – there are plays, and he made a couple, and one specifically last year where he can, like, get up underneath you on the um, – like, slide on the ground and get up and make – like, he could be doing some things. And, again, he could this year break out in the best way, but that would be a fun one. I think if you went on offense, I think you could make a very logical case for Elijah Moore. Yep. But I think you could make another case for a guy who's already been paid and, and reaching what they've been paid. And David Njoku. Yep. I think David definitely. has has been has been above average. Yep. To good. I think he finally hit good last year. But is I think there's more in there. Oh yeah. And he would make sense of like, oh, David finally put together some 900 yard seasons, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. That would be and a, like that the go to red one. zone guy for the offense. Yeah, yeah, that's what they sure. really need him to be. It's like the the ball winning, you know, gets get inside the ten, and you find him five different ways for touchdowns. Now, the uh, other one that we have to reference, I'm sure you will, too, is uh, Jedrick Wills, right? Yep, like, yep, that's where my mind the, went next. Yeah, just from a talent standpoint, yeah, yep. of this guy could be this if he put it all together. Yeah, he makes uh he makes well, think a ton of, of sense there. Think about what their offensive line looks like if if Jed Wills plays to his potential and Dewan Jones plays to his potential. It's it's fascinating. It re- yeah. I mean it really would be. It really would be. It, uh, it, it would it's it would take a, a good line and you know I I wrote about this last week in terms of just what they're paying the offensive line. 
there's no other team in the league that's paying their guards nearly as much money as the Browns are, you know, and you look at how the the Eagles are the only team paying their offensive line more this year. And that's because they're paying their tackles. They're paying both their tackles. That's, that's why, you know, the Eagles are spending a ton of money. And, And I mean, they do have a, an expensive guard as well, but, but, you know, overall or center rather, I'm sorry, Jason Kelsey is a center. Um, but you know, it's a little bit of an odd roster construction to be spending so much money at the guard position and then the center position, then the tackle is actually third, I think in terms of, you know, by position, how much they're, but I I think the point is just that they have two guys there that if they can put it all together, it, it would be truly, you know, a dominant situation. But I think, you know, there's, reasons to have doubts that that's going to happen there are reasons to have doubts and that's why it's a fun idea to like think about of if if these guys if these certain players one of them just one of them we've seen nick we've seen miles and they've been they've done it for a while they need one of these guys we're talking about and i feel like you've referenced this throughout the offseason to like hit that blue chip elite level that's right right yeah so yeah grant delpit is another one um, it's you a know, fun one. just, just yeah. in terms of like Newsom, yeah, Newsom for sure. I mean, just what they have, sh- what they showed at times at the college level, and and that yeah. hasn't really showed up as much in the NFL level. So, I think there's Okoronko a lot of players too. on this list, Jake. <laughs> I think Okoronko too. That, I think that speaks to it, Andrew. I think it speaks to why, yeah, yeah. like yeah. what we're saying in the yes. larger sch- scheme of things is, yeah, this is a team full of players that are pretty good. Yep. Is there like how do they get these guy more of these pretty goods to become? Yep. Oh wow, he's right. really good. Like that's yep. what they need, and ultimately, I think that's what's going to define this coaching staff. Yes. In Kevin's tenure, is yep. maybe Kevin's a guy that's pretty good, but he's not a, a great coach to get that out of them. I think that's mm-hmm. that's what we're talking about, and why we feel I think why Browns fans feel so optimistic about their group is because we see so many of these guys that fit in that good threshold they're good players but you need some of them to become great and yep. elite players yep and i think that's sort of the missing element between the eight and nines and the ten and sevens or eleven and sixes and winning the division right yeah. like you need right. that that stuff so we'll see if they get it out of them but that is uh, it turned into a one angle to to like looking at picking a player and then you start looking at, Oh, this is, this is why they kind of are where they are and they have to figure out how to get more of them to another level. So, all right, we're going to take a break. We're going to take a break, come back. And then we have the Jaguars and the, and the new England Patriots on our contender series. So, you know, don't get too excited about this. We'll be right back. (laughs) We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast ditch the busy work use indeed for scheduling screening and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences so the more you use indeed the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. 
Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. All right, so we'll start with the Jaguars, who are a pretty fun team, right? They've got some fun stadium plans going. It's fun as a team in Jacksonville can be. Let's put it that way. Uh, they've had a, a dormant run of nobody cares about them for a while, but they draft Trevor Lawrence. They get rid of uh, Urban Meyer, his corpse, and then put themselves in a pretty good position here. They did not, according to ESPN's uh, study, we looked through, um, you know, uh, finally found a place to look through key additions and key subtractions. They note two key uh, marquee additions. They said none. Yep. Marquee subtractions, they said Jawan Taylor and Arden Key. So those are the two range woods. I would say a marquee addition is getting Calvin Ridley back. Totally. So they get, they get they get a, a hungry, determined Calvin Ridley back, Christian Kirk, Zay Jones. They're, uh, they make you a little uneasy on the offensive line somewhat. Cam Robinson's fine. Brandon Scherf is fine. And then they, they're going to rely on Walker Little, who's a second-round pick in 21. Evan Ingram had a little bit of a breakout finally last year. They drafted, though, Brenton Strange out of Penn State in the second round. And then they they also took, I, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention their first round pick, which is another tackle, Anton Harrison, out of, um, I think he's out of Oklahoma, if I yep. recall correctly. I so right. they, uh, they actually did a pretty good job of trading down and gaining value and then took Harrison, which was a nice selection for them. We'll see if he finds the field for them. Uh, otherwise, you know, it's Trevor Lawrence, it's uh, Travis Etienne. They took Tank Bigsby in the third round, who I like a lot. So they spent their first, second, and third round picks on offense. Defensively, um, you know, I think I th- do think Arden Key's loss matters, but they bring back some guys you should know. First round pick in 2019, Josh Allen. Uh, they have some guys who have played above uh, Fadakasi up front, Davon Hamilton, former Buckeye, Roy Robertson, Harris. Uh, up front again, uh, I think they're an odd front defense. So they they play those two walk up backers. Trayvon Walker was a disappointing first overall pick rookie season. They're looking for him to bounce back. Another first over uh, first round pick last year, Devin Lloyd, the linebacker. They need him to be better. They've spent in a uh, capital at corner and Tyson Campbell, who was a second round pick last year. They're going to be a little uneasy in the secondary. Rayshon Jenkins, Andre Cisco are, are a nice pairing back there, but the uh, other corner situation they let. Uh, is it Shaquille? No, not Shaquille. The other, uh, the the, the Shaquem, cornerback right? of the team, Shaquem, right? I think we could be screwing that up, but I think it is Shaquem that they let they let him go. So they're starting Darius Williams and then Trey Herndon uh, there in the secondary. So the question is for Jacksonville under Doug Peterson, uh, Press Taylor's their offensive coordinator, Mike Campbell their defensive coordinator. Who are they? Who are the Jaguars? I'll let you answer that. I don't know that I know that answer off the top yeah, of my head. I- you know, I think you said something during, you know, kind of walking through what they've added this offseason that I think maybe spelled it out a little bit. And it's that they spent their first three draft picks on the offensive side of the ball when they already had a really good offense last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, that tells me that they are, you know, a, a Doug Peterson passion project. Let's let's put it that way, right? Like, they, 
you know, he's going to, he's going to have the visor and a big old play sheet and he's going to just draw it up and they might have to win games 40 to 39 or whatever, because, you know, I, I don't think the defense is bad, bad, but I think it could be, you know, in the right, uh, if the, if the, the correct number of things go wrong, I think the downside potential on the defense is, is, is quite high, right? They could really, they could really walk into a mess. Um, whereas the offense I think has the potential to be a, a truly great unit. Um, because I don't think, you know, I mean, you mentioned the offensive line concerns and I think those are real, but I think, you know, Trevor Lawrence is, is, a, you know, definitely in that Andrew Luck mold of quarterbacks where he'll take, take that ass beating and just keep on throwing dimes, you know? So, mm-hmm. uh, weapons wise, plus the quarterback, plus the head coach, I think they kind of have what they need on offense to go score a bunch of points. And it's a question of like, you know, can the defense keep people down a little bit? The other benefit, of course, is that they get six games against the AFC South, right? And so you'd be disappointed if they were less than five and one, honestly, against the rest of their division, um, you know, just in terms of how much better they are than the competition in that division. So they should have a stroll to the to the playoffs, right? They should they should have a stroll to the, to the division and then, uh, you know, be a shoe-in to have a home playoff game. So that when when you're – when you're, you know, kind of penciling that in, in July, June, whatever, like, uh, that's a pretty good place to start. So I think the question then becomes, what does, what happens, what transpires over the course of the year? Do they, do they discover some diamonds in the rough on defense or is it a true one side of the ball team only? Yeah, it's a extremely fair question. They, like we have mentioned in the segment before, like they need Trayvon Walker and Devin Lloyd and Josh Allen, some of these guys to be better on that side for them to be taken serious. Uh, they've invested a lot. I'm actually looking, I mean, they're clearly relying on a lot of their recent draft picks, Lawrence and Etienne in 21. They had three first round picks. Um, sorry, they did not have to, they only had two. They had two first round picks in, in the next year between Walker and Lloyd. So they've, they've spread out a lot of this stuff, right? So, yeah, they're young. I mean, it's an it's a it's a team that should be on the rise, but you you sort of never know with where these teams end up going. Uh, you think that teams are going to be the linear progression of getting better, and sometimes you can you can take a step back. I, I think the X factor question to me, I feel like I know who Lawrence and Etienne are. Mm-hmm. I feel like I know most of what their offense is. I think it's a matter of these two first round picks, like. Yep. You got to get Devin Lloyd to play better, and you got to get more out of Trayvon Walker if those yeah. two become. Great dynamic point. players they're yeah. probably a different team am i right mm-hmm. or what do you think i think that's true i think yeah i mean i think that's like if 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 walker emerges into a genuine pass rush threat and they have allen and walker on bookends now you've got something you know even if the secondary continues to be a question mark um and yeah like i said i think i think emergence so maybe it's mike caldwell the defensive coordinator a guy that i honestly would be i, I would be hard pressed to tell you one thing about mike caldwell uh, Same so, I think it's a Doug Peterson offense and that's just the Alex Van Pelt of the situation. That's how it feels, it. right? That's how it feels. And so, um, yeah, I'm, I'm just really curious, you know, like I said, I think, I think Calvin Ridley is going to really up their game, you know, overall in the, in the terms of like a true number one pushes everybody down a role and, and makes them all much more comfortable. So I think the offense is going to be fun. I, so I think the X factor has got to be somewhere on the defense. Can they find, you know, they don't have to be game winners. They just have to be not game losers. Yep. Well said. They better or worse in 2022. 
I'm inclined to say worse just because, I mean, I, I kind of soft-pedaled the offensive line thing earlier, but hey, there's also a chance that, I mean, Walker Little is not playable. Yeah. And and so then do you have to shuffle the, you know, do you have to shuffle Cam Robinson back to right and start this rookie at left? Or how do you, you know, how do you, how do you cover for him? I see Blake Hans is on their roster. He's played some tackle. That was, wasn't fun, you know, so, um, <laughs> No you know how how, no how do you how do you find five guys up there? I think is is going to kind of be the process for them this year. I mean, Scherf is good, like you said, and I think Cam Robinson is average. But uh, you know that I mean, we've seen other team seasons kind of beset by you know an offensive line can't protect, and and it just it kind of becomes an ongoing, you know, uh, sort of a drumbeat throughout the season, and and you know maybe Lawrence deals with some dings, and so that I think that plus that plus the losses on offense. Sorry, on defense. Uh, the losses on defense, and, and and is a combined makes them worse. But you know, again, with the AFC South being the way that it is, I don't know that it matters. Yeah, they'll still be fine in that division. But the question is, do they go any further than what they did last year? I think. I think if you're telling yourself, you know, they didn't do much personnel wise to get better necessarily, but they, they their guys could get better. That's hard to just say, like that's going to work out. Right. So I don't think they got any better, but they could still be better. Right. If they, if they just guys progress because there's talent waiting there clearly to be tapped into, but we'll see, that's the challenge for all of these organizations is tapping into said talent. So, okay. Uh, We view them. I I don't know that they've earned a tier two where they have play. I guess they do because the divisions because of the division, they, they absolutely do not. They, I don't think they've earned it, but they've received it. That's that's well said. They they certainly should. It would be it would be really disappointing for them to not make the playoffs considering that division. So yeah, good stuff. Hard to imagine right. who who it would be that would win the division over them in in that in that case. It would be like the Colts yeah, taking if, if off. Richardson with, just with turns Richardson. into a dude right away. Yeah, I suppose. Yeah, because I I mean I guess Tennessee and Vrabel you can never really count. That's them out. true. That yeah, they they could win a nine and eight rock fight. Yeah, or yeah. even. Eight nine with this thing. <laughs> so okay, the New England is next uh, yeah. on your, on our on our super exciting grouping here. So New England, they're just in a weird spot, man. And and I think the the New England thing largely comes down to Mac Jones. I, I I think that they do so many things well, as we know. They they get the most out of uh, their defensive players. They get the most out of. Uh, a lot of support talent. It's just no nobody takes fringe talent and turns them into serious like serious contributors like Bill Belichick in New England, and that has held on even with Tom Brady's departure. Their key additions: Juju Smith-Schuster at wide receiver, Jacecki at tight end, and Jonathan Jones at corner. They lost Jacoby Myers, Jonu Smith at tight end. It's a debate whether that's a marquee subtraction, and Devin McCourty I think retired. Right, so mm. they signed Riley Rife, Calvin Anderson. Trent Brown returns, Connor McDermott, Yadni Kajust. These are names they brought in. You're looking at it. Wide receiver group, Devontae Parker, Kendrick Bourne, Juju Smith-Schuster. They drafted Kayshawn uh, Butte and Demario Douglas in the sixth round. Up front, Trent Brown, Cole Strange, David Andrews, Riley Reif comes over. Some 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 holes there for sure. Hunter Henry and Jusecki at tight end. Mac Jones, Ramondre Stevenson's fine. He's gotten better. He's in a nice back defensively they're just good i I don't i'm not even i I could name a lot of these guys and you'd be like huh yeah i mean theatric wise 
Davin, uh, Davin, I think it's Devon Gacho, yep. Christian Barmore, Matthew Judon, Jawan Bentley at linebacker, Jelani Tavai at linebacker. I mean, it goes on and on. I've heard great things about Christian Gonzalez, the rookie at corner in camp. Mm-hmm. Kyle Duggar has become a dude for them at safety. Adrian Phillips steps in this year for McCourty. Jonathan Jones, is he the one? Or what, is it Jonathan or Marcus? One of them landed in legal trouble with the gun at Jonathan. the airport thing. So, yeah, we'll see how that shakes out. But I'm I'm not worried about New England's defense. Like, they're going to be good. There's no doubt about it. The who are they is, I think it's like they're led by a mastermind who's got his hand tied behind his back. I think that's the only way I can really say it. They're, they're going to yeah. be competitive. They're never not going to be competitive, but like, Mac Jones is just a is just not very good, man. He's right. not good enough. Well, yeah, I mean the, the question is is what, you know, is what happened to Mac Jones last year a product of teams adjusting and him not taking a step or is it about uh their offensive coordinators being Matt Patricia and Joe Judge, right? Yeah, like, has that changed? They, that's they Bill O'Brien. Bill now. O'Brien now, right? Yeah. They kept yeah. Gerard Mayo, which is a big, you know, big Yeah, that was a win for them. Yeah, that was a win for them. So, it, it, you know, and I don't I don't necessarily think super highly of Bill O'Brien either, but he's definitely competent. Com- he's com- it, that's the word. That's exactly the word. He's competent. And last year was incompetent. It, it, last year defined incompetence. And and I think there was there was a level of, you know, what was going on there where Mac Jones knew that, you know, he's been around you know, Nick Saban for a long time. He, you know, he's when you're at Alabama for a while, I think you have a pretty high standard of how things are done and, uh, you know, high standard of professionalism. I would, would not be surprised if Matt Patricia and Joe Judge didn't live up to that standard, you know. And so he was a little bit like, well, I mean, this is going to be a clown show no matter what I do. So I'm just going to go ahead and shut it down, you know, and, and try mm-hmm. and keep, keep trying to preserve myself. I mean, you remember him last year ta- almost taking knees. When guys had free runs at him in the in the in the backfield, he he would just kind of slide and go down. It was like watching, you know, your your uncle playing uh, football at Thanksgiving. It's just like, no, nope, don't hit me, nothing, nope. I'm you know designated <laughs> I'm thrower. That's funny. So yeah, yeah. I I think there's a there's a dimension of that with him where I think he was over it by like October, probably by training camp. And and you know Bill O'Brien again is competent, and so. To your point about Mac Jones, if Mac Jones can pick back up where he left off 20, 2021 when he was, you know, a pretty impressive rookie, arguably the most impressive rookie out of his draft class, then the Patriots' offense can be average. The defense will probably be good because you know Bill Belichick, and and then they're a they're a, a playoff contender. But if if what we saw from Mac Jones was more than just that, and you know that that's where the the trouble uh, continues, and and I mean. You kind of mentioned the the shuffling on the offensive line. If they don't have that figured out, the way that Jones reacted to pressure last year, I think that could be that could be his sort of epitaph: is that he doesn't, you know, get so so spooked by pressure that that he kind of goes a little bit, you know, and then that that's that'll that'll end your career in the NFL as quick as anything. That's that's a fact. The quarterback thing hangs so large over who they ultimately become because, like I said, I think they hit on their. Defensive selections, Marte Mapu, the kid out of Sacramento State, I think is going to be a fun chess piece for them defensively. They took Keon White. They like yeah, him. Player. I don't know if he'd be – yeah, I don't know. We'll see. The Christian Gonzalez kind of lands in their lap. They took three offensive linemen, Antonio yeah. Moff, so they're trying to fix it uh, in the fourth yeah. round. Yep. 
Jake Andrews. So like, yeah, they're, they're trying to solve some things on the fly here, but um, their X factors, Mac Jones. I really don't think we need to delve too deep into that. He goes, they go. Uh, the only time to get to rehash your your uh, your comment about uh, the the ineptitude of the of the dual OCs last year, that was the single moment that I was ready to walk out the door on Joe Woods. Is when New England came into Cleveland and had them absolutely positively schemed up. It was yeah. it was really yeah really embarrassing. Yeah, that's that not going on his career highlight reel. Joe Woods. Oh man, it was so bad. They just yep. manipulated every rule the Browns have. So, um, better or worse, they could get DeAndre Hopkins, which would help them still, right? He spent some time there. Yep. I don't know that they're any better or any worse. I feel like they're very much a yeah same team. They could yeah. be a little bit better, mm-hmm. but I feel like they could be a little bit better collectively. But they get the, the, the Mac Jones thing could still pull them down. Just pull them down. And, yeah, and and I think you know, th- this is they're on the same treadmill they've really been on since Tom Brady left, right? Like, it's just it's it's you know I mean you remember that first year he was gone and Cam Newton was was you know quote unquote the quarterback for them you know like it's just you know. been it's been running in place for for three years now and you know I I don't see any reason to expect that that's going to change now you know I mean you. <laughs> You brought up that that game last year, which was absolutely the point at which you kind of really realized that the twenty two season wasn't going to go the Browns' way, right? Uh, when For they were sure. getting getting absolutely boat raced by Bailey Zappi at home, um, and uh, you know they can still do that to teams, right? That's that's who Bill Belichick is. Like that's that you know when the coaching is that good, you can still get some of those where the other team is is you know they find a weakness like you said they scheme it up and you're you are helpless for that day and it, they make you look really silly mm-hmm. but the consistency isn't there you know and that's that's really what walked out the door with Tom Brady was the consistency on offense that would allow you to to steal a bunch of games on defense and then now all of a sudden you're 11 and 6 and you know hosting a playoff game and I, that's just not there anymore so yeah i mean better or worse whether they're better or worse, it's within a very small margin, right? They may have improved a little bit uh, with some of these defensive players they've added if the if the rookies play, um, you know, but they also may have taken a little bit of a step back because Mac Jones, I think, you know, as I said before, the book might be out on him and that might just be it. They wanted it to be out themselves, it looked like at times. They're yeah, really pushing that for too. Bailey Zappi to, yeah. to be the guy. They're a tier three team for me. Definitely. Uh, they have hopes to make the playoffs. I wouldn't call them the, the fringe or outside looking in group, but they're hopeful. Yeah. Not a lock. That's a tough division. We'll get to the Jets next week. But yeah, yeah, it's it's a hopeful uh, team there. So, yeah, there's New England. There's Jacksonville. We've covered them. You're informed. We've done all we can. We're pulling for you, Miles Garrett. Put 17 <laughs> together, man. And if these guys can win double digit games, that right. reward is right there for the taking he's in his peak i really would like to see them contribute to helping him get there and to help me help you think he's been helping them they need to help him and and it'll happen so good show andrew i appreciate it brother as always man always a pleasure jake guys have a great saturday thanks for stopping by for myself or andrew we appreciate you being here we appreciate you absorbing reading and enjoying all of the obr content this week and hopefully you enjoyed the podcast we are Uh, One week away from being through the worst NFL month on the calendar year, which is June. And then we get to July and we can really start feeling that sort of palpable anticipation for 
real football again. And, uh, you know, like I had tweeted the other day, my Phil Steele college football magazine arrived every year. It's like this indicator that football's right around the corner. I've been reading that thing since like, like freshman year of high school. I love it so much. And, uh, it's close. It's, it's far enough away, but you also don't want to wish your summer away. So if you're checking this out on the weekend, I hope your weekend's going really well. And again, we thank you for being here. Have a great Saturday. Check in tomorrow for the weekend mailbag. It's a little different schedule, but we have some great questions to answer. So check in for that. Thanks to Andrew for being here and to you guys as well. Rate and review the pod. Always appreciate that. Have a good one, guys. Go Browns.